Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Sex Wrap. Hi, Andrew. How are you today? Hi, Spearing. How are you? I'm good. I'm having an absolutely lovely day. Um, I had this thing called a meeting earlier. Ooh. Meetings are terrible. I hope none of you ever have them. Spring hates them too. Um, <laughs> but mine was poolside at a really nice hotel, and it kind of turned the meeting into like a meeting. Like, Ooh, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it was pretty nice. Um, and it's really nice coming right off of July 4th to have like, you know, it's hot, it's July, but nice, nice meetings, nice people, beautiful pools. I don't know. Um, how was your fourth? Well, I have a couple, I always have funny fourth of July stories. Um, I was in an Uber with a driver and it was early on the fourth of July in the morning. And I was talking about how I was going to be celebrating later. And he was like, Oh, is today a holiday? And he wasn't from the U S and I said, yeah, it's the fourth of July. And he's like, Oh, but is it a holiday? And I was like, yeah, it's the fourth of Oh, I understand. The 4th of July is also just the date. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say very much about what's going on. <laughs> yeah, so then I told him about Independence Day. But um, yeah, I also... Um, I just, thought you were going to say, it's my birthday. Oh, well, that's the 6th of July. So yes. But it, you celebrated that it whole is, week. So. It is uh, birthday season is upon us. Yes, we are... We are in full swing of celebrating spring and summer. <laughs> uh, I, so for 4th of July, um, so I live in Miami, all of our listeners know, and I have this great big terrace uh, on my little, I have a little teeny condo with a great big terrace. Uh, and the cool thing is I'm on the 10th floor of a building. And if I go outside, I can see like 20 different fireworks all up and down the coast. So I don't get one fireworks show. I get like 15 fireworks show. It's really cool. Um, wow. The entire skyline lights up. Maybe I'll post it. I have some videos and pictures of what it looks like. So maybe I'll post one so our, our listeners can see. Um, and it's not very loud. So my dog doesn't get all freaked out because uh, they're off in the distance. Um, so it's like kind of nice and chill. Because I remember all of those years like going to the fireworks and like, people everywhere and drunk people everywhere and barbecues and then trying to leave afterwards was crazy. Now we don't even have to leave home. Well, I live in Brooklyn. I get to see fireworks in my backyard almost every night. <laughs> There's always people setting off fireworks. <laughs> so I, I also don't have to leave home. <laughs> I mean, one of my life mottos is celebrate every day. So maybe these are people who unknowingly bought my book that I haven't written yet about finding something to celebrate all the time. Mm, what are you celebrating today? What am I, 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 I'm going to go hang out with some friends later and then I have to pack because I'm going on a trip to, to, to a horse farm. But nobody wants to hear about a horse farm. No, I go to a place where there's no internet and there's no cell phones. So I'm completely disconnected from the world. That's exciting. Uh, uh, it is. I can't wait. It's going to be so quiet. Um, so today, uh, what are we talking about? What's our question? Oh, we're talking about kinky, kinky, kinky stuff. Kinky, kinky stuff? Like what? Well, 
We had a question from a listener asking us about, you know, getting into kink and going a little too far with kink and kind of where's the line and how does it, how do you navigate that and how do you make sure that the kink is safe and healthy and not affecting your relationship or your life outside of um, the area that you're using the kink in, which is usually I like to say, like, as a kind of a uh, shortcut, say, like, in the bedroom. But you know, sex doesn't have to be in the bedroom. But <laughs> but we're talking about um, how do we keep the kink from impacting other areas of our lives? Ah, uh, right. So I remember this question. Um, the listener submitted the question saying that they had started exploring some kink with their partner and they liked it. But for them, it was just you know, like once in a while, this is something fun that. I might do with them. And for their partner, it became, I want this every single time and I want more of it. And this is the only thing that I want to do with my partner sexually. And all of my intimacy with you is wrapped up in this one idea, right? So that's really talking about like, what is kink versus what is a fetish, Mm -hmm. right? And I think we should probably define those. What is a kink? So a kink is something that is, um, I guess, well, I mean, it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to define, I think. Um, A kink is something. It's it's definitely a scale. So for like Spring and I, what we would consider kink would be probably similar, but there'd be some things that I would say are kink that Spring would say are not. There's some things that I'd be like, that's totally vanilla that Spring would say are kink, right? So so it is a spectrum. So it is something that basically a single individual would consider kind of out of their ordinary for their sexual experiences. And so it would be something that they would kind of be like, oh, yeah, that's something new and different that I don't consider regular um, to my sexual interactions. And so it's different for everybody. So everybody, yeah, has different definitions of what a kink is. Like a specific act might be a kink to Andrew and it might not be a kink to me or vice versa. So kind of um, giving so something it... Something like, like fuzzy handcuffs for a lot of people is like, that's pretty kinky. They've never done it before. They kind of giggle and have a good time. They do it once or twice and they're done. Or maybe like once every six months, their partner pulls out the fuzzy handcuffs and like... That's kind of what kink is, right? Something, and it can be bigger than that too, but uh, I think like things like fuzzy handcuffs and like little whips and like feathers to tickle somebody with or blindfolds, anything like that. Like something small that you play with once in a while, but you don't do it every single time you have sex. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can do it more regularly than that and it can still be a kink. So I think, you know, the real where we draw the line between a kink and a fetish is a fetish is where you have to have that in your sexual interaction. So if you don't have it in your sexual interaction, then you can't orgasm or you don't even really want to have sex without that. That's when we start to call that a fetish. But I think there's quite a large space between, you know, once every six months and needing it to have an orgasm. So that spectrum is quite wide. And so how kind of often something happens doesn't necessarily mean it's a kink or a fetish. It's kind of how necessary is it to someone's sex life? Yeah, I think that's probably a much better way to look at it. Like, does someone absolutely need this thing to get off? Or is it something that they just enjoy doing when they want to do it? Right? Yeah. Um, And and this question is all around like, 
a, a question is really like, how, how do I handle this? If I'm the partner who's like, I enjoy kink once in a while, or I enjoy this thing sometimes, but it's become an obsession for the other person. Right. And so like everything, it is a negotiation between partners. And so we're looking at here, how is the kink functioning for both partners and how does that change over time and over the sexual relationship? And that's something that obviously needs some communication and checking in, but it's true that it can change for one person at a very different rate than how it's changing for the other person. And so it can become something that, you know, moves on a fast track towards fetish for one of the partners, but not for the other partner. And then that's when the kind of mismatch starts to happen between the partners around that kink. Uh, right. And I mean, I think that we could even talk without even getting into fetishism, like kinks are really, there's a lot of boundaries that go into them. Um, I had a friend tell me recently a story. Um, he was dating someone new and the new partner was really, she, she had a kink for rape fantasies. And if you don't know what a rape fantasy is, it's like when people role play out non-consensual sex, but they have consensual sex in the process, right? So they talk about it ahead of time. Um, it's very common, um, but people struggle with it. So my friend is like, you know, I can't do it. I would never do this to another person. I'm not into it. I don't like it. And she's really pushing me into it. So her kink made him really uncomfortable. And we had a, a really long conversation about how important it is to establish guidelines and boundaries. And if there's something like that, that makes you uncomfortable, like you don't need to do it. Right. So even if something is just a simple kink, you don't, you don't have to go there once. Right. So you can't let someone guilt you into saying, well, this is what I really like. If, if you are really that uncomfortable, you don't need to go there. Yeah. And I think um, having, when we're starting to set up, you know, do we want to explore a kink with someone? And we're starting to set up some of these um, ideas around what I want, what I don't want, what feels good for me, what doesn't feel good for me. Also thinking about and having conversations, not only with your partner, but with other people, maybe about why you're interested in that kink. And so sometimes it's really worth exploring, you know, what are your motivations for a specific kink? And I'm talking specifically in relation to like what you're talking about, like a rape fantasy, if that is something you want to explore, really understanding, you know, what power plays you're interested in and, you know, what in your life has made you uh, think that this could be a sexual turn on and really understanding that and having a lot of that conversation and having some of that understanding going into it will give you a lot more protection around, you know, any feelings that you might have after engaging in that. So the more that you think through and have discussions about what you're interested in, why you're interested in it, where you think that might come from will really support your whole kink process. Kink process. <laughs> um, sounds like I need to get to the hair salon. Okay, so uh, we will be right back. We have to take a short break, but we'll keep talking about this. All right, everybody, welcome back. We were just talking about kinks and kink processes and how do you figure this kind of stuff out? Um, I think that it's really important for us to say, uh, before you engage in any kind of new sexual exploration, you should do a real risk assessment of what's going on, right? Now, there's lots of kinks that are harmless, that are fun or funny, or 
or like, you know, just something that's not going to cause any damage or harm. But there are a lot of kinks out there that you should really thoroughly research, right? There's some people who have asphyxiation kink or choking kink or all kinds of things that can lead to really negative serious consequences. If that's what you're thinking about playing with, or that's the direction you're thinking about going, just be really careful, do lots of research, maybe talk to an expert. Um, There are people who spend their whole lives becoming experts (laughs) at things like dominatrix and dominatrices kind of things. Um, So just be really, really thoughtful. And I think that's also what Spring was getting at when she was talking about that kink process. Be really thoughtful, look at why you're doing this, where you're coming from, and how to make sure that you have a good experience and you come out on the other side a happy, healthy, safe person. Yeah. And so um, when you have had some conversations about what you want to do and why you think you want to do that, then when you're starting to actually set out a scenario or a scene, as it's sometimes called with your partner, you can talk about um, all the different boundaries that you want to have in place, the different um, things that you are definitely interested in happening, the things that you're, you are definitely not interested in having happening, and then also setting up safe words so that if there are things that are starting to find that limit for you, you have a way to you know stop the scenario immediately um, and have a discussion at that point. Right. So when you establish a safe word, what spring means is that like you before anything happens, before you engage in any kind of kink or any kind of sex, like you have a word like eggplant. And if either partner says eggplant at all during any part of the sexual act, immediately everybody stops. Consent for the act is essentially revoked at that point because consent is something that you can give and you can take at any time. But essentially that word means we need to stop. And it might not mean that the, the act is even over, right? It just means like, I need to catch a yeah. breath or I need to talk to you about this or I need to decompress or there's too much pressure or I need more pressure, whatever it is, yeah. right? It's important that you establish that. And I think that what Spring was talking about, about boundaries and guidelines are really important. Um, I mean, I think some of the basic ones, especially if you're in a new relationship, you should be like, nothing permanent, no permanent harm, no permanent scarring, right? I think that's like, the very basic guideline. And a lot of fetishes don't even go close to that. But you want to establish something that if you're experimenting with something new, you're not going to end up with some permanent reminder, especially if you didn't like it. So just make sure you have really solid guidelines that protect yourself, right? And protect the fun. I think something that's really missing sometimes with conversations that people have about kink is, um, you've heard me say before, like, human bodies are weird, messy, wet, (laughs) bad, like, like, Sex is kind of funny. It smells funny. It sounds funny. And kink is part of that whole thing. So if you go into it with like that kind of joyful, fun mindset, you'll probably come out better on the other side. Because what kink is supposed to do is it's really supposed to kind of like be exciting and different. And it's supposed to sort of hone in on the fun aspects of having intimacy with another person or yourself or with multiple other people. And I mean, I think this idea of permanence is um, we can look at you know, a lot of different layers. So there's also semi-permanence, you know, like um, maybe a bruise or something, or um, we're going to talk about a specific example from a listener wrote in um, talking about a feeding fetish and, you know, gaining Mm -hmm. weight. And so there's some things that they might not be permanent, but there are semi-permanent effects of some of these kinks. And I think, you know, really establishing how 
how many effects are okay for you um, around whatever the specific fetish is um, so that it feels like something that you know exactly what might happen and exactly where you might come out on the other side. No, I think that's really, really important. Um, And then at the end of any exploration of a kink, like, you should think about it and talk about it. That whole communication word is so important for sex. Um, Engage in it and talk about it. If you liked it, great. If you hated it, great. Now you know. Now you don't have to do it again, right? So that's the important other side. Um, So then how do you handle it if you try something with a partner and you're like, um, no. And they're like, that was the best thing ever. I want to do more of it. Right. Cause I also think that's part of the right. question that yeah. came in. That's what the specific question really dealt with. So the listener talked about how, um, she was okay with gaining some weight and her partner found it really attractive for her to be heavier. And so she was engaging in some rapid weight gain for him and he was really enjoying that sexually. But then he became so focused on that and really wanted her to gain more and more weight to a point where it felt unhealthy and very uncomfortable for her. And so that's the point where, you know, she said, okay, this kink, it seems like it's becoming a fetish for her partner. And it seemed like it wasn't okay for her anymore at that point. And she broke up with him. But, you know, I think that we really want to talk about how do we have these ongoing conversations and negotiations so that, you know, I mean, it's possible that that relationship, you know, wasn't, wasn't a relationship that they necessarily wanted to be in any longer. But it's also possible that um, having some more conversations around what was happening might have prevented a breakup if that's a relationship they wanted to continue to engage in. Right. When I was reading that question, it really felt like um, her partner started treating her not as a person, Right. So he was having sex with the fetish and sex with the weight gain and sex with like the idea Mm. of what the fetish was. He was no longer really treating her like an equal partner in intimacy. And the other thing about a fetish like feederism um, is that in the short term, there's not a lot of harm. But if we look at it in the long term, we know that weight gain, especially rapid weight gain, is linked with all kinds of negative long term health effects, too. So um, like if you're into feederism, uh, if you're into being fed, what's the other side? Being a feedy. <laughs> um, but I mean, if you're into it, I mean, we're not poo-pooing anybody's, you know, kink or fetish on our show. That's not the point of what Spring and I do. And that's not what the sex rap is. But just be really thoughtful about the decisions that you make. And it is really hard. I think that the situation that our, our listeners described um, in the question uh, was uh One, that there probably should have been more communication along the way. Um, And then uh, there probably weren't ground rules at the beginning where if I'm uncomfortable with this thing that's happening, then we're going to stop it, right? Because that's why we we, we were talking about those guidelines and ground rules. If you establish them at the beginning where, yeah, sure, I'm going to try. We had an episode about GGG a long time ago, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I want to try new things. I want to experiment. I want to be exciting. I want to do new things. That's great. Um, And and we don't want to be telling people to not try new things, right? Try new things thoughtfully, respectfully, and with some idea of what you want to get out of it. And if you're not getting that thing out of it, then you shouldn't have, you do not have to continue with it. Um, we talk about consent 
a lot. Oh, hold on. Spring has to say something. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that, you know, we're talking about this communication, but part of that is communicating immediately after um, the interaction has happened as well. So after you've played with any type of scene or kink that you have experimented with, you do want to have what we call that aftercare, that time to decompress and communicate about what happened during that time. And um, that is what really can... Um, feed into feed sorry mm-hmm. feed into uh these further communications and negotiations so like um you set up in advance you know we're gonna have this conversation right after as well as part of this aftercare and then um i think that sets you know also this easily kind of follow up like okay a couple of days later like how are you feeling now how are you feeling about what happened like are you interested in exploring that anymore are you interested in adding on are you interested in a little less of what we did um so that there's this place for this continual conversation and negotiation for what is feeling good for both partners so that it's not just like okay we did that we liked it we assume it's going to continue we assume you know that's not ever what uh, we recommend. We're all about, you know, clear communication and understanding exactly what someone liked and what they didn't like and understanding all the ways that it's affecting somebody. Um, And I think we should loop all of this back into the idea of consent, right? Like this, this whole conversation we're having about kinks and fetishes and these negotiations and conversations are really about making sure that all parties are consenting um, and consenting enthusiastically to what's going on. Um, and if, if you don't have consent, if one of if, if you're with somebody and you want to try something new and you try it and they're not into it, don't keep pressing them for the thing that they didn't like, right? I mean, I sure a lot of us sat at the kid at the at the table with our parents when we were kids and they tried to feed us disgusting things like beets, right? Beets are bad. Beets, beets are gross. Yeah, they're disgusting. Um, but I mean, do you remember how awful you felt whenever your consent was taken away by your parents? Like fetishes and kinks are kind of like that, where you should try a bite of a beat. And if you don't like it, you shouldn't have to finish your plate. Yeah. And so, I mean, so how do we deal with it when um, you're in an ongoing relationship with someone who you really care about and you want to stay in that relationship and there's some divergence around how you experience that kink together? Um so I mean, th- what? Th- there's some, pre- there's some, there's some pretty easy ways. First of all, like, okay, well then you go find some porn or you go find some fantasy or you find a Facebook chat, whatever it is, you can find a group of people who also engage in that thing and you give them permission, you know, once again, with guidelines and boundaries and restraints to go have fun with whatever that thing is. If you don't want to do it and if you're not going to fulfill that part of your partner's sexual needs or desires, then they can maybe get it somewhere else. Yeah. and. And again, having those clear communications, you know, around what is okay for both of you um, around that idea. Um, And also, I mean, so we can think about, you know, different levels of engaging with a kink and kind of we talked about before, you know, frequency doesn't necessarily determine whether it's a kink or a fetish, but frequency is something that you can negotiate with a partner. If it's something, you know, a kink that they really enjoy and something that you don't enjoy as much, maybe, um, 
it's like, you know, okay, like once every six months, I'm willing to do it. Like it's something that like I'm willing to do occasionally um, at a certain level because I know you really enjoy it. Or maybe it's there's a kink that you really like that your partner doesn't like as much that you'll occasionally trade off on, right? Where you can say, um, I know you don't love that as much. Um, you know, I don't love that as much, but let's uh, trade once in a while for each other so that um there's a lot of different types of negotiation and kind of levels of engagement with something that you can play with in the relationship to figure out what might work for both of you. I just had a really sad thought. What? So, you know, there's all of these movies and stories and we probably all know people where they only have sex, like people have been together for a long time. They only have sex like on their birthday and maybe on an anniversary. Like for them, their kink is having sex. sex. Don't talk about something that's sad on our show. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? So we so part of the show is we hope that you, unless you really want to be those kind of people, you never turn into the kind of people who only have sex a few times a year. <laughs> kind of as a oh, oh I guess this is what you're supposed oh we'll we'll have another episode all about <laughs> dead bedrooms. Dead bedrooms. All right. Is there anything else that we need to say for today? Do you have any tips? Well I, I just wanted to touch on one other aspect of this, and that was something that the listener talked about was how it began to eat at her emotional and mental well-being over time. And um, so, you know, we're talking about like having an ongoing dialogue and like understanding, you know, how it's affecting you. But um I feel I just wanted to acknowledge that sometimes you might not realize how something's affecting you immediately. And it was something that over time she noticed that um, this was, you know, really kind of affecting her in her whole life, not just, you know, oh, I didn't really like that in the bedroom. It was like, this is affecting my self esteem and how I see myself. Um, and so, I think that there's a lot of areas of your life, you know, that when you're engaging in different relationship dynamics with someone that it can affect you. And so I guess I just wanted to talk about, you know, the idea that we want to be fully aware of all the different ways that uh, engaging with a kink or a fetish can affect us and really paying attention and maybe uh, doing like even some journaling about it afterward. Like, so you want to communicate to your partner, but maybe you want to kind of do some of your own tracking of like how you're feeling about it and how it's affecting you so that you can kind of be really aware of um, what's happening. And I think that's like a, a really nice way to kind of bring this to an end where uh, if you if you want to do something, think about it, talk about it. If you're engaging with something that someone else brings up, think about it, talk about it. Um, we've talked about journaling a whole bunch of times. Writing something down is a really nice way to start processing it. Um, and it's really important, regardless of, of where you stand on anybody's kink or fetish, to do some real thoughtful processing um, on why you're doing it, why it matters to you, why it matters to them, and if you want to keep doing it or not. That's great. All right. Um, wait, I did have a tip. Oh, yeah. So my tip for today is um, this episode seem, sounds kind of like a little naysayer or you, like we are not saying don't explore or don't have fun. Right. We're saying please do explore and please do have fun, but have fun with boundaries and guidelines and safe words if you need them. <laughs> Responsibly. Yeah. Um, so 
that's it for our show today. Uh, thanks for listening. If you have any questions for us or want to talk any more about this, feel free to reach out to us. You can call us at 413 You can reach us at thesexwrap at gmail.com. And we have very active social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Sex Rap. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too af- Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.